At Amgen, our mission is to serve patients. As a biotechnology pioneer since 1980, Amgen was one of the first companies to realize the promise of this new science by bringing safe and effective novel therapeutics from lab to manufacturing plant to patient. Amgen therapeutics have changed the practice of medicine, helping millions of people around the world in the fight against cancer, kidney disease, rheumatoid arthritis, and other serious illnesses. With a deep and broad pipeline of potential new medicines, Amgen remains committed to moving science forward to dramatically improve people's lives. To learn more about our pioneering science, please visit our website at amgen.com. Amgen, where pioneering science delivers vital medicines. You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Innovations in Medicine, enhancing the medical community's knowledge of science and biotechnology. Innovations in Medicine is sponsored by Amgen, where pioneering science delivers vital medicines. For more information about Amgen, visit amgen.com. The era of genomic medicine has barely begun, but visionaries are already looking past the genome to the proteome and the metabolome. Genes were only the beginning of a virtual revolution in medicine. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. In early October, the National Academy of Sciences released a report calling for a new human toxicogenomics program. It's a bit of a mouthful, but what it means is that researchers want to look at the interaction of genetics and the environment, and nothing is more fundamental than that. What if we could sort out the real causes of disease, both the environmental causes and the genetic causes? That would propel medicine into an entirely new era, and it's going to happen. It's only a question of when. Here to talk to us about all of this is Dr. David Cristiani, a professor of occupational medicine and epidemiology at the Harvard School of Public Health and the chairman of the committee that produced the new National Academies report. Welcome to the program, Dr. Cristiani. Thank you, Paul. Well, tell us a little bit about you and your research before we start to talk about the new report. Well, my research is focused on the interplay or interaction between host or genetic susceptibility and environmental exposures. Most diseases are a consequence of both of these interacting to more or less degree. So my particular research has focused on a few areas related to gene-environment interactions. The examination of lung cancer and cigarette smoking as a model by which we can understand gene-environment interactions, since we know a lot about the connection between the exposure and disease in that instance, but we don't know as much about what makes people more or less susceptible to lung cancer. And another aspect of the research has been to actually look at environmental exposures in populations who are not necessarily sick yet, such as occupationally exposed populations, and to use some of these new technologies to develop signatures of exposure to chemicals and the early responses, such as gene expression in response to these exposures. Okay, now what do you mean by signatures in this context, signatures of disease or of predisposition? So that would be patterns, so either gene expression patterns or patterns in the protein profile that are predictable patterns, and if they're predictable as a result of exposure, I suppose the terminology's evolved to call that a signature, but we're really talking about a predictable pattern of the presence of expression of certain genes or downregulation of certain genes 
And in the case of, say, protein markers, the elevation of a certain pattern of proteins in a predictable fashion. And so I guess that's why we sometimes call it signatures. But it can be called a sort of reliable biomarker or reproducible marker of exposure. But the difference between this and previous biomarkers is that we're not talking about a single gene, a single protein, or a single metabolite. You may be talking about a signature pattern that is hundreds tens to hundreds. So in conventional, old-fashioned medicine, I guess we can call it now, diagnosis is made based on the presence or absence of some protein in the blood or some metabolite or something like that. It's very, very simple sort of thing. Somebody's insulin level indicates their status and so forth. What we're talking about is looking at genes and proteins to make more sophisticated, more detailed diagnoses of that sort. That's absolutely right. So either it's better diagnoses or perhaps to defining risk of disease before the disease is expressed. Okay, so prediction of uh, genetic susceptibility or whatever it might be, as well as looking at somebody who's sick and trying to figure out what's going on. Correct. We've had a number of programs where we've talked to people about genome-wide scans. And as I understand it, the idea is that you can now get a chip that contains many genetic markers on it. You can say, okay, for bipolar disorder or macular degeneration or breast cancer or whatever disease a particular researcher is working on, you can now run this scan in people with the disease and without it. And where we might have known in the past two or three genes, you know, things that have laboriously been worked out over many years, now we suddenly get, you know, dozens of genes perhaps that are connected with this disease and a new avenue of research and exploration to get a much, much better understanding of the disease. Is that something close to the state of the art on that? Yes, I think for for DNA right now, that is the state of the art, just as you described it. So it could be a scan for the whole genome that covers about, say, 500,000, and some, at some point it'll be affordable to do a million single nucleotide polymorphisms or these individual genetic variations. And that is now becoming very available. The technology has definitely worked out. And the utility there is, again, as you described with BRCA1, would be to describe the kind of main effect of the gene in disease risk in a case control study, as you just described. What it doesn't do yet, when you have to go to the next stage, is to investigate those sets of genes and whole pathways of genes and how they're interacting with the exposures of interest. And that would be the next step, which is pathway analysis or gene environmental. Okay, so that's the thing that you looked at in the National Academy's report. So tell us, uh, you were chairman of the committee that produced that. Tell us a little bit about what the report undertook to do, what it looked at. So we tried to look a little bit into the future. We tried to look at the current status of technology and then see what the further development and increased use of these could be in their full potential for predicting disease and assessing hazardous, potentially hazardous exposures in the environment. So the genome-wide association technology is there for case control studies, but where, where we do need to see improvements on uh, is integrating, say, gene expression studies that, looks at, that look at RNA-level gene expression, not single nucleotide polymorphisms or, or simple genetic variations, but what genes are turned on and turned off and how do they communicate with each other and then with environmental exposures in causing disease risk. And can this technology, for example, be used to be uh, useful for hazard screening? Can we integrate the technology, the toxicogenomic screening methods into chemical regulatory 
chemical and drug regulatory and safety programs. Can we better understand human susceptibility by doing those kinds of pathway analyses that I mentioned, and not just looking for a main effect of the gene, but specifically look at variation in toxic responses based on heritability or genetic susceptibility, and better understanding, for example, dose-response relationships and for environmental exposures as well as for pharmacologic exposures. For those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. We're talking to Dr. David Cristiani of the Harvard School of Public Health about toxicogenomics. Of course, the term comes from toxins, that is environmental exposures and, and genomics. But in your look to the future of medicine, you talk about, we talk about genomics analysis of the gene. You're also talking about proteomics and metabolomics, uh, proteins and metabolites. That, to me, is just a step harder to try to understand and conceptualize. Tell us a little bit about those two things and how they are like and different, the kind of genome studies that are going on now. Yeah, so we define the term broadly, toxicogenomic, to mean more than examination of genetic variation and gene expression. We're using toxicogenomics as an umbrella over all of those. Otherwise, the terminology gets too unwieldy. In the case of proteomics, so now the potential would be there. There is a human proteome project, and that's why we're talking about a a toxicogenomic initiative, because we want to focus some of this technology on toxic exposures, potentially toxic exposures. So proteins in the blood, plasma, tissue, or in urine may be the pattern of proteins that occur in the circulation or in, in body fluids may reflect disease status or susceptibility to disease status. For any single protein, there are a number of genes that are in play that are turned on or activated to actually produce a single protein. And so sometimes looking at the protein may be an interesting summary measure of a lot of very basic molecular processes that are going on. So it could, in fact, be a way to simplify what you're trying to find out by looking for the presence or absence of a protein rather than a whole series of genes that may contribute to whether or not it's there. Correct, like prostate surface antigen or PSA that we we use as a screening for prostate cancer and also if the individuals had a cancer treated and they use it as a monitoring device and when if it goes up over a certain level they're concerned about recurrence so there's a single protein but all the the molecular processes that are undergoing the formation of that protein as you said if you looked at just one gene or several gene expressions in blood you probably won't find it and it may, it may not even be relevant to look in blood because the, the genes that are being affected are in the uh, prostate and so it's only when the protein leaks out uh, gets into the circulation, and it can become captured as a marker, and in this case, a pretty reliable one. So if you can imagine that there are other potential small proteins like that that might reflect early disease status, and you can capture it, then, as you said, it simplifies it, potentially simplifies it some, because that protein might be the sum and end result of a lot of genetic processes. There's also the idea that, as you said before, that if we look at a sort of scan, a range of proteins, we might find that if I get sick, I've got more of some proteins and less of others and or you know or use that predictively to say I've got more of some and less of others and that means I'm at high risk of something or other that's more informative than just looking at one or two proteins. That's right. So there's an analogy with a genetic situation there in the proteins is the pattern of protein expression may be more useful than any single one because you're looking for single proteins uh, you may be looking for a needle in the haystack but if you have a predictable pattern 
of 10, 20, or even a little bit more, but fewer the better, obviously, because it's more likely to be predictable if you've picked up a range of proteins that are reproducibly present in the case of a disease. Well, then you may have increased your predictive value quite a bit. I think that's a good place to stop. We've been talking with Dr. David Cristiani, professor of occupational medicine and epidemiology at the Harvard School of Public Health and the chairman of the committee that produced a new National Academy of Sciences report on the future of toxicogenomics. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Cristiani. Thank you very much. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. Please visit us online at reachmd.com where you can leave us a comment, listen to podcasts of this show and many of our other shows. And thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Innovations in Medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Innovations in Medicine is sponsored by Amgen, where pioneering science delivers vital medicines.